I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. You know, it used to be that all kinds of companies would sponsor entertainment such as TV and radio shows. And it would seem that those days are back. The result of this, where a certain brand teams up with a certain artist or creator, is that in my case, and appropriately so, my greatest supporter and the reason why I can even bring this podcast to you is due to the patronage and support of Aggressor Adventures, who have mastered the art of adventure vacations for more than 38 years. Choose Aggressor and choose your adventure. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. Okay, finally, we come to the Mike Klink finale, otherwise known as part three of my conversation with legendary music producer Mike Klink. If you don't know the name, then perhaps you've heard of Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Metallica, Beth Hart, Eddie Money, just to name but a few of the artists Mike has worked with as either an engineer or a producer. There is a part one in season one of this podcast. Please try to check that out. And a part two in this season two of the podcast that you can search for. Mike's insight into life in the music biz is invaluable and always captivating when it comes to listening to his stories and perspectives on making music and the industry itself. So here you go. These are the continuing words of Mike Klink. Every day to me is a learning experience. If I don't learn something every day, I'm standing still. Time's no longer on our side And we let it slip Let it all slip away And it's not the fault of the bands because I believe that there are bands out there 
that could wave the flag for rock and roll. They're just not getting signed. Recently, you said to me, oh, man, you know, I mean, nowadays, less uh, people think Imagine Dragons is rock and roll. And I've got... It's good music. But it's, it's great not, music, but it's, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't consider that rock and roll. That's pop rock. In my position as a, as a songwriter and performer and all that, I always sort of came to that place where, the, okay, you know what? I was too young when it first came around. And then when GNR and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana hit, I was too old. So I missed the rock and roll thing. Now, you're... We don't need to, I mean, summarizing the 80s is you're now a very busy producer all through the 80s. That's very clear. You've, you're an engineer, engineer and producer. So we've got that segment of your professional career and we're landing on Guns N' Roses. Where were you at? Just say, just previous to the GNR phenomenon hitting, where were you at? What was going on in your life just before that all happened? Canada. Ah, that's what made you so good. This is... This is a good way to segue to how we met, which is, I don't know if you meant that intentionally. I don't think you did. I didn't, no. But this is how it happened. I was producing a band in Canada called Triumph. My assistant on that project was Noel Golden, who uh, did such an exceptional job for me. And here's the thing. I have always been willing to give people a leg up who go above and beyond and really bust their ass to help me. And if they do that for me, I would do that for them. And that doesn't happen with everybody. In fact, only a few people who have done that. So Noel went above and beyond on the Triumph record, really had my back, really helped out for those long hours. And when I came to uh, working with Whitesnake, I hired him on. I helped helped him get a green card. We've been fast friends ever since. And that's how we met because Noel was telling me, oh, I'm working with Survivor Man. And would you be interested? He'd been working on it for a while. Would you be interested in working with Les? I said, well, I'll meet him and we'll talk to him. I listened to the song. So that's how we came together. But I was working on Triumph and that was in 85, 86, I believe. That's, uh, and I always told those guys in the band that I would not have been able to make the Guns N' Roses record I did without working with them because that, that was, I learned a lot by making the record with those guys. Well, and at that point, I know I can help in with this is that Triumph is already a bona fide superstars in Canada anyway. And so they got their game down. Really yeah. well. They're pros. They're total pros. You're not working yeah. with the green band. Yeah, but I, well, I had never worked with many green bands. That's I mean, true. back at the record plant, I mean, I'm doing, well, Eddie Money was a new, a new artist, but the songs were incredible. They were signed to Columbia Records and they had that machine behind them. They had Bruce Botnick producing the record who had done The Doors and Andy Johns engineering who had done Led Zeppelin and Free and Mountain and, you know, I mean, the pedigree was unbelievable. And and that's how it went at the record plant. You worked with the best of the best. Those are the only people that could get into this that studio was like the best of the best. So yeah, Triumph was absolutely at the top of their game, you know, looking to break 
even bigger into the American market, which is why uh, I was up there initially with Ron Nevison as the uh, co-producer on the project. And then, you know, I had done, uh, after that, I did a couple other records back in L.A. with Bob Ezrin. We co-produced a record together uh, with a band called Hurricane. Legendary producer. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Bob was so great and, and... incredible and so gracious and and uh, I really had a great time working with him we are two totally different people and we have two different styles of the way we produce but you know I learned from him and like I said every day to me is a learning experience if I don't learn something every day I'm standing still and I take all those experiences good and bad because you learn by the things that don't work out as much as you do by the things that do work out and that becomes who you are and uh you know how you deal with people and in in a work situation professional situation and a uh in a personal situation I want to go right back to my question the state of rock and roll that's going to be my question is There was the classic era, which I take to be ending somewhere around the mid-70s. And then there was the rebirth, got called grunge, in which Pearl Jam, it's just rock and roll. And certainly GNR. Um, oh, GNR you know, was they were rock before. And roll. They were before. They were before, but they were they I uh, they were the wedge back into rock and roll. I right. believe. I, I don't include. I never counted hair metal right. as rock and roll. Don't even get me going. GNR actually, and a lot of that. You know what? A lot of that I got to say, and I wasn't a fan at the time. I didn't. I was busy being in a canoe. Was Slash's guitar playing? Because he was not. I mean, yes, he could noodle the heck out of the guitar, but he was doing licks, as was Mike McCready and Pearl Jam when they came along. And I'm like, I'll say this all, uh, listen, listen to a lot. What's Mike McCready doing? He's playing Freebird. That's what he's really doing. He's noodling out on Freebird and um, Slash was playing rock and roll. He was playing Jimmy Page. He was playing uh, Joe Perry. That's what he was doing. And so that's why I say that was a rebirth of rock and roll. Now that's past us. So what do you feel exists for that kind of rock and roll? Do you think it'll ever rear its ugly head, so to speak, again? Or, or? Well, I'm looking for it to, to rear its ugly head and to emerge once again. You know, I, I like uh, Greta Van Fleet and, you know, but bands, and I, I feel badly for them because, you know, they're criticized for sounding a bit like Led Zeppelin. But at the same time, people could have said the same thing about uh, Guns N' Roses. You and know? they did. I mean, they did say you know, too much like Aerosmith. In fact, they were one of my inspirations for how I approached the uh, production on uh, Guns N' Roses, on Appetite. But it just hasn't happened. I think that the bands that are getting signed, and it's not the fault of the bands, because I believe that there are bands out there that could wave the flag for rock and roll. They're just not getting signed. People at the labels are unwilling to take that shot to go ahead and and, uh, sign a band of that ilk, Mm -hmm. you know. But it will happen, and once that does, and once it becomes successful, every A&R guy, every label is going to want to... You think it's going to happen? You think rock and roll is going to see a time again? Rock oh, and I roll. think it, everything's cyclical. It will. I noodling do. guitars, meandering solos. I that. do. It's you know, it's changing. Rock and roll is is the fans are very uh, faithful to the genre. Will it be as big as it as it ever was? 
I don't think anything will be as big as it was because everything now has become so homogenous, even hip hop. I mean, hip hop is now, look at what is happening with, uh, is it Little Nas? Everything is becoming uh, homogenous. I mean, there's, I don't even know if there's such a thing as world music anymore because there used to be indigenous music. But now what's happened is that, uh, you know, we've been everywhere, as you know. I mean, this was part of what your life was. I mean, we've been everywhere. There's nothing, almost nothing special about, you can't go anywhere that hasn't been, you know, had a stone and turned and been recorded and, and this and that. Very few, if any. I mean, we, obviously we don't know about them if they do exist. But uh, uh, that's my big complaint is that it's not even a complaint, but. I think specific genres almost don't exist anymore. It's they're homogenous. Everything is you tap into different elements of different all different types of music. I mean, I'll I'll think of the uh, but is one this, of the prime you, examples. It, I guess I could say sort of is it a problem? I mean, you know, I mean Paul Simon obviously started it uh, at one point. He you know with his album. And Peter Gabriel's always incorporated uh, world-sounding musicians and singers and so on. And certainly on our album, Mother Earth, I mean, it's oh, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because we're doing it with Mother Earth. I've already heard a cultural appropriation complaint, which, of course, my back's going to get up quickly. It's like, okay, well, then tell that to the native drummers that actually were being recorded by me and thrilled and honored to be with me working on it. They didn't feel they were being appropriated of anything. But you're right. There, there is a danger of homogenization. It's, it's hard to say. I don't know that that you could say every stone has been overturned. I'm sure That's there's what I'm more. We don't know what stones haven't been overturned. Musically speaking, instruments and, and so on, stylings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't know about instruments. I'm sure that you know someone will come up with something. But most stringed instruments have already been discovered and played, and and this and that, and. Yeah, so I mean, to get back to your original question was, which was, is rock and roll ever going to see the revival that it had in the '80s, late '80s, maybe early '90s? I, I think everything's cyclical. I think it'll it'll come back. I don't know. I don't know when, but someone, all it takes is one song, and then people gravitate to it. It'll happen. Bittern Lake, also known as Barn Sessions Four is the second album I worked with Mike Klink on. You really have to picture the scene for these recording sessions I so enjoy putting together. It's kind of old school, and I love it. An assortment of top musicians, often with their partners or kids, and in one case, even their very lovable dog, all staying in a wonderful house slash recording studio, on the water, out in the woods, for at least a week doing nothing but making music live off the floor for the most part, Eating together, enjoying each other's company, it's a blast. It truly is magic. We laugh a lot, and the proof in all of this is that they all practically beg to come back and do it again as soon as I can set it all up. And I know Mike likes the break from the more pressurized recording in places like the record plant, along with the inherent camaraderie we all get to enjoy. For this album, and for the first time in my own music career, I recorded mostly cover songs. That is other people's music with only three songs on the album being my own. This song pretty much wrote itself for me from the time it took to walk from my living room to my piano room and work out the chords. From the album Bittern Lake, available everywhere you get your music, this is How Long. 
You know what? Aggressor Adventures, while being the largest liveaboard dive operation in the world, is so much more. They have safaris and excursions to the corners of the globe, exciting opportunities to see vast archaeology, history, and natural wonders. I've been traveling and diving with them for years, and I cannot endorse them enough for being simply the best there is at making sure your worldwide adventure is a safe, comfortable, and exciting one. Take it from a guy who has done a lot of adventuring. Who do I travel with on my vacations? 
Aggressor Adventures. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. Favorite song that you that you produced? What's what's like? Oh, I just love this one. Oh, I think that that I that I produced. I would say "Sweet Child of Mine," and and I hate to go to one of the biggest hits, but that song, whether it would have become a the monster hit that it is now, when we did that song, the hair on my arm stood up. I mean, I I just knew right then. I just you just working in the studio with that many artists, hearing that many songs, because I've worked on hundreds of albums. I just knew that that song was magical and had something in it. To me, that song was uh, undeniable. Great. So that was one of my that was one of my favorite. I've had great experiences. I I try to have a great time working with every band, not a ha ha time, but I mean, I want it to be an enjoyable situation, which is one of the reasons that I'm still working today. I enjoy what I do. I love doing it. I even like working with you. Imagine that. Imagine <laughs> that. But now, now you're finally making it. See, now yeah, you, exactly. You, I don't know be, where there's to go after me. Uh, there Frank. will be nowhere it's, to go. Exactly. I am going to I am going to fade into the sunset after this uh this next record we do. Okay, so so song that you worked on or artist that you thought was phenomenal but did not take so sort of like biggest disappointment in many ways. Oh boy, biggest disappointment. Um, God, I haven't had many uh, disappointments only because I I temper my expectations. So you know when you're you sitting know, there going that 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 album should have hit. It should have hit. I don't know. You you I think I've heard you, you know, speak in this way before. Probably, but you know, quite honestly, less. I, like I said, I have realistic expectations. And I, as I said before, I've only predicted the success, the huge success of uh, of two artists. In all even, that time. Even though I've worked on very successful records. I mean, I've worked on records that uh, have sold millions of copies of records, but they weren't that kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't that success. I mean, obviously, I want a lot of records to do better than than what they do. You know, I'm hoping for the success of uh, the Mother Earth album. And what do you uh, predict for that? I'll put you on the spot. I mean, what do you? Um, I think it's an amazing record musically. I think that the uh, the message is incredible. The you know the fact that you're celebrating nature, the fact that you're talking about issues that exist. With our environment, the uh, the world that we live in today, it's just an incredible record. One of my, I'm really proud of that record. I'm very, very, very proud of that record. So I wish, wish it all the success. And I think that we just got to get, you know, one of the songs to catch. I love the videos, the videos. If people see these videos that you filmed while you were doing your your TV show, that uh, accompany the songs. I mean. Incredible footage that you can't see anywhere else. It's just gonna just like just like all of them. It's gonna take one, and then if it hits, then uh, people will become a believer. As long as it, when people see you live, they see what a great show it is, and uh, you'll get those fans. What's your favorite track on the album? That's I'll play that one. Oh God, I don't have. I mean, I really I love Arctic Mistress. I love uh, when it's gone, and for two totally different reasons because they're two different kinds of uh, songs. But I like 
when it's gone, I love the message. I love, I just, I love beautiful, sparse mm. songs. You know, it's not overly produced. It's just a moving song. And uh, Ancient's Call, I love that just because of the energy of that. But I also love the visual part of it, that the video that goes with it. I mean, I could watch that thing over and over and over, and I enjoy showing it and playing it for other people.
That was the song Ancient's Call from the Mike Klink-produced album Mother Earth, out so very soon on 180-gram vinyl. I'll finish it because we're both getting cold, I think, now that the sun's gone in. I'll finish off with this. What's, so what's next, other than, obviously, uh, what you and I are doing, which is a lot, but what's next for Mike Klink then? Where are you going from here? What are your, your hopes and plans? Um, to continue doing what I'm doing, which is only work with artists that I feel, number one, that I can do justice to and help with their music and make it better. And I enjoy helping to guide uh, artists to help them understand who they are because I'm a firm believer that most artists struggle to know who they are musically and uh, don't always know initially. And I love trying to help uncover and uh, help them realize who they are as an artist. I enjoy helping uh, young artists and uh, aspiring. When I say artists, but I also think, you know, producers and engineers are artists. So I love being able to give back and to help with their careers as well. So being involved in education, continue the fight to fight for artists' rights. You know, the fact that, you know, I've been to Washington, D.C., I've testified in front of Congress to help protect the rights that we have I'm just going to interrupt you. I meant to ask you about that. Why did you get involved that way? Why did you get involved politically? Because it's, it's very important that people respect that we do what we do for a living. We have value. That whole revolution that happened to music that music is free and everybody thinking that music is free and we don't need to pay for it we work hard we work hard we work endless hours and toil to make sure that everything sounds as good as it can sound and the message is as good as it can be and that doesn't come without cost, emotional and financial, and we should be compensated for it. Don't, you know, when people come to me and go, I want to use your music as a promotional item. It'll be good for you. I go, I, I don't give a shit about the promotion. You need to compensate me. Don't offer me nothing. You need to give me something. I don't care if it's a dollar. Obviously, I'd like it to be more. However, don't insult me by saying that my, my music is worth nothing. You know, and that's why I fight for the rights of, of copyright holders, because we have something of value. It's not unlike anything that anybody else does. When they go to a job, we don't take a piece of their paycheck. I don't walk up to someone, stop them on a corner, pull out their wallet and go, oh, I think I'll have a 10. Or I mean, maybe you give me a five. That, that's, you just don't do that to people. People have rights and they need to be protected. But we do it to artists now. But we do it to artists, and it's just not, it's just not right. It's not fair. Uh, that whole, we, what we do has value. We're uh, just, uh, this will unfortunately date this particular discussion, but where are we sitting right now with that? Well, we just passed the uh, MMA, Music Modernization Act, which is the first act, uh, the first piece of legislation that has been passed in this administration or... The previous administration that had zero opposition, it was 100% support. That goes to show how important and how supportive the music community is, or, you know, the uh, the legislators are, 
to uh, making sure that artists' rights are protected. It's only the first start. I mean, we're still fighting battles with terrestrial radio. We're still fighting battles to get fair compensation because there's too many ways to divvy up the pie. But it's a start. I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, I'll continue to work to make sure that uh, everybody gets compensated fairly. Whatever that amount of money is, everybody needs to be compensated fairly. Last two questions you can answer with one word. First one is... Me. Me. <laughs> yeah, who's responsible for... No, um, a genre of music you'd like to work in that you haven't really explored. Is there one? Genre. Um, I'll wait till this... Uh, Chopper goes by? Chopper oh, goes by. I don't know. By. It's an L.A. interview. Where is it? Oh, he's by. I, don't, I can't see it, so I don't know who it is. Well, while the chopper's going by, the other question is, what's Axl Rose really like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... Uh, um, and really, he's like that? Wow. Yeah, well, wow. you had it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You could have heard it, but the chopper just went <laughs> over. Um, genre of music. You know, I only, once again, I only want to get involved in in something that I knew that know that I can do justice to and, and make it better. But I enjoy a lot of genres of music and, and I just wouldn't get involved in anything that I couldn't do justice to. I mean, uh, I don't know, Les, I think I'm very, pretty comfortable doing what I do. And that's not just rock and roll. I mean, I, I, I do pop rock and I enjoy, you know, doing that. Well, that, no, and that's clear because, I mean, a lot of times because of the GNR connection, you get listed. I've even done it myself. Legendary in promotional materials, legendary rock producer, which it's not the reality. You're a legendary music producer, not right. a legendary rock I've done producer. So many other, yeah, because yeah. I've done so many other things. Always, you know, you're, you're always known by your big, biggest successes. So mm-hmm. that's why you always be known as Survivor Man, even though <laughs> exactly. you do other things. It's like, oh, have you seen Survivor Man's new new show? Well, it's not Survivor Man. It's something else. But people always mm-hmm. put you in, they always want to put you into a, a, a cubicle or a, a, a niche. So... You know, we always fight that. I don't. I think I'm doing everything I want to do. I think I'm. I'm doing everything I want to do as musically, musically speaking. You know, would I? Would I love to produce a, a, an act like Taylor Swift? Absolutely. But only if I could add to what she does, because an artist like that is amazing. I mean, she she does every. I'm surprised and and happy with every every uh, album she comes out with because she hits the 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 ball out of the park every single time hmm. wow we're ending on taylor swift that's just not something i thought oh i had to do that we we're going the, to do i had to do that are you gonna try to get a, are you trying to get a call from her management is that what you're saying or her record label <laughs> hey mike clink's no. interested in producing there you go maybe you... maybe she'll finally hit then yeah exactly maybe she'll finally find her way and do something she's happy with well in the meantime you're stuck with me buddy there you go and i'm and i'm more than happy to be uh in that room with you because i've had a great time so thank you so much for asking me to do this it was incredible the time has just flown by seriously it really has i i thought before we started this i thought Oh, this is going to be painful. This is going to be. Oh, thanks a lot. Well, no, just for for my it, painful for you, not for me. I thought I was going to have to get you drunk. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think it's all worked out really well, and and uh, I'm excited to hear uh, 
this one and uh, and all the other ones that you're working on. Well, so. I, I think my goal is when I when I do get to sit across the you know from people such as yourself, mutual friends we have, and other individuals who have incredible stories, incredible backdrops. The last thing I want to do is go down the main street, and you know, like I say, let's talk about GNR and Slash all night. No, that's, no, that's yeah. you can you can do that when you're being interviewed by Rolling Stone. I'd rather talk to Mike Clink. So thanks there for doing go. this. All right, thanks. Done. Right, Boo. Thank you. Right, Boo. Hey, don't. Uh, by the way, don't pet them because they've. Ah, uh-huh. see, see what I mean there. Mike is always telling me what I should do, what I shouldn't do, or how I could do something better. Even when it comes to his dog, Boo, who I'm pretty sure loves me more. I promise to nail down Mike Clink for another interview sometime in the future, where we will only gossip about Axl Rose, Slash, and maybe the boys from Metallica. This podcast is, as the saying used to go, brought to you by Aggressor Adventures. Choose your adventure. Surviving Life with Les Stroud is presented by the Apostrophe Podcast Network and is mixed by Keith Ullman. You're surviving life with me, Les Stroud. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Survivor Man Les Stroud, as I have hundreds of videos there and more going up every week. From Survivor Man Archive to Bigfoot to Wild Harvesting Tips to Urban Disaster Survival. It's all there and it's all free. My brand new series, Wild Harvest, featuring local foraging and turning those wild edibles into sumptuous dishes, is now on National Geographic Asia, PBS stations in the United States, and Cottage Life Television in Canada. The brand new special, Surviving Disasters with Les Stroud, is now on a PBS station near you in the United States or on my YouTube channel. And my brand new children's book, Wild Outside, written for your kids. It's all about getting your kids into the out of doors. And it's out now. Google it. I'm an easy find on Google for those and so much more that I produce during any given year, no matter what's happening on the world stage. We'll figure this life out together. Cue that rip and harmonica solo, Keith. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 